great and mighty are you. Great and mighty are you. Father, greater than sickness and disease, poverty and lack. Father, greater than sin, greater than want. Father, greater than the world, greater than our thoughts. Thank you, Father. Greater than our flesh. You are great and mighty, Father. And you live in us. Thank you, Father. You live in me. Thank you, Father. Great and mighty are you, Father. Great and mighty, Father. Great and mighty are you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we declare that you are great and mighty in our lives. You are great and mighty in our hearts, Father. Great and mighty are you, Father. Thank you. Father, because the very air that we breathe comes from you, Father, we will worship you. Father, every breath we take comes from you, Father. Father, we worship you. You're worthy to be worshipped, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father, for being good to us. Thank you. Great and mighty are you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we thank you for all of these things. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Is the Lord really great and mighty? You know, He is. Amen. It's, it's up to us to allow Him to do that in our lives. Amen. You know, the Lord is great and mighty even if uh, uh, the world doesn't believe it. He's still great and mighty. Amen. He'll be great and mighty all the days of the earth. He'll be great and mighty all the days of the universe. Amen. And um, whatever else comes our way after all that, you know, we don't know what's going to happen in the universe. Uh, the Lord may um, give us another universe. I don't know, you know. Um, I don't know how would, you know. Uh, we've, the humankind's only been on the earth, you know, about 6,000 years. If you go back to time of Adam, uh, that's only been 6,000 years. So we don't know what in the world the Lord's going to store, has in store for the universe after things are all corrected, amen. Uh, things will get corrected and, and all will be well, amen. Uh, and so we have been teaching on uh, overcoming and um, you know it's the Lord's desire that the church is an overcoming church it's his goal that the church is an overcoming church and uh, overcoming is in every area of your life so you know there's a lot of things that you have to overcome there's a lot of things internal to you that you have to overcome you know a lot of times you have to overcome your own thoughts your own uh, ideas of maybe that you're unworthy or maybe that you're uh, of no value you know, you need to overcome that. Uh, there are uh, sickness and diseases that try to attack us. Uh, and, uh, you know, we need to overcome that. We have the ability to overcome. The, the Lord desires that you overcome uh, those things. Uh, but there are things on the, the, to the, on the outside of you that you have to overcome. Other people, uh, words that people say, um, the, the general economy of the earth. You know, there, so there's a lot of things that uh, we need to overcome. Uh, usually I've found that in, in my personal life that if I will work on overcoming things in my personal life, that everything on the outside of me is much easier to overcome. 
Because it's, you know, it's hard to overcome if you feel it's hard to overcome external things if you feel unworthy of the Lord's blessings. Amen. And a lot of the reason why the church is, is unable to overcome is because they don't feel like they're qualified to receive the blessings of the Lord, they're qualified to receive, uh, you know, the power of God. You know, that's only for special people. And, you know, there's a lot of weird uh, things that people, uh, their philosophies, they're not Bible, but their philosophies that people kind of develop over time because they're not challenging their thoughts with the word of God. Uh, and, you know, if you'll train yourself to always challenge everything you think uh, by the word of God, does this thought line up with the word of God? The Bible says in Second Corinthians, take captive every thought yes. to the obedience of Christ. Uh, you know, you need to take captive your thoughts. And, and if he said to do that, then you know what that means? It. it means you can do it. Amen. If he said to do it, then it means you can do it. Tell me, well, you can't. You know, you can't decide what to think about. You can decide what to think about every time because he said, think on these things, right? In Philippians 4, 8, he said, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, are, are true, lovely, good, pure, uh, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, uh, think on these things. Uh, and so, uh, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, praise, think on these things. So he, told, he gave you a list of things to think about. And if he told you uh, to think about those things, then, uh, then you have the ability, the capacity to think on those things. And many times, overcoming in your life uh, is... Uh, the first step is getting control of your thought life. Uh, and, and, uh, and I understand, you know, I've had to deal with that in my own self, getting my thoughts lined up with the word of God. And, uh, and, you know, there are people who try to put thoughts into you. Well, you're a sorry individual. You're no count. And then you'll grab that thought and you'll, you'll, you'll go away with that thought. And you'll, you'll think about that. You'll meditate on that thought. You'll mull over that thought. And maybe I'm really not worthy. Maybe I'm not, you know, maybe I'm really no count. And, um, you know, I, I, I have uh, uh, learned many years ago to overcome in that area of my life. And, and I just don't think that way. You know, if someone says I'm a sorry individual, I think, well, I'm really not. You know, I'm really a pretty good fella. You know, if you knew me, you, you know, I knew. Uh, and so those things don't dwell. They don't stick with me. And then other people you talk to, it's like, oh, they said I'm no count. You know, it's really bothering me. Well, why is it bothering you? Is it true? Well, no. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's true. Uh, well, you know, that should take about a nanosecond. You know, you, you've got to train yourself that when those thoughts come, you know, second guessing yourself. Maybe, you know, I just feel bad that that happened. Well, did you cause that? Well, no. Are you the root, are you the root cause of that? No. Did you do that to them? No. Well, why do you feel bad? I don't know. I just feel bad. And, and um, uh, you know, there's so much uh, of these things that, uh, um, you know, me and Chris were talking about uh, uh, just a few things the other day about how people take on the weight of the world, you know. Uh, and, and somebody will get COVID and, and, and they'll get burdened by that. Well, do you know them? No. Uh, are, are they a family member? No. I mean, have you ever met them? No. Do you even know their name? No. But it just bothers me that they're getting it. Well, why is it bothering you? You know, that, that's taking a care. Of course, we talked about casting your cares upon the Lord. But, uh, you know, uh, there's plenty of cares for your own self, but people take cares for other people. Well, you know, that just bothered me. I saw that. Well, you know, I mean, we can be uh, empathetic, which means, you know, we care about people. We care about but as far as taking that care upon us, you know, for something that we're not responsible for or something that we didn't do or something that, that we can't change. Uh, I mean, you, there's never a good reason to take a care anyway, but people take on cares that, that don't even make any sense, right? Uh, but they'll be burdened with these cares, you know, at work. You know, oh, you know, what if the numbers don't come through? Well, are the, the numbers are the numbers, whether you, you know, whether you did anything about it or not. The numbers are the numbers. Why are you taking that uh, care upon yourself? 
and one of the one of the, the things that they talk about, you know, you go to these fancy corporate meetings, you know, and, I, and I've been out of the corporate world for a while now, but uh, I remember back in the day, they, they always ask you, uh, well, what, what keeps you up at night? Those are the things we need to focus on. What keeps you up at night? Nothing. I sleep good every night, you know, and, uh, you know, and then they may, oh, there's something keeps you up at night. Mm, nope. I don't got, uh, what, nothing at work? Nope. I mean, you know, you're only making widgets, you know, it's not like we're, you know, they're, they're, uh, there's any morality to these things you know it's just you're making little widgets to sell to people and uh, and so uh, but you know that what, what keeps you up at night nothing nothing keeps you up at night you know uh, unless I'm working you know sometimes I, what keeps me up at night is I'm working you know I was, I was working late last night uh, and so uh, but um, uh, here in John chapter 16 this is our kind of a foundation verse Jesus said in verse 33 these things have these things I have spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So Jesus has overcome the world, so what's left for him to overcome? Nothing. If he's overcome the world, then what's left for you to overcome? Nothing is left for you to overcome. So do you have the capacity to live an overcoming life? You know you do. You really do. Uh, uh, Probably the biggest area of overcoming is in our own thought life, but, you know, um, there are plenty of other areas to overcome. And so we've been going through the book of Revelation, looking at what Jesus had told the churches, because all of these churches in the uh, uh, book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3, he told all of them to overcome. He told all of them, if you have an ear to hear, uh, then, let you, then, then you need to hear. Uh, and so if he was telling the churches, if he, went to, he picked out seven churches out of the probably hundreds or thousands of churches uh, in existence at the time, and he told them all the same thing, told them all to overcome, then that must be a pretty important thing from the Lord's perspective of things that the church needs to focus on is we need to learn to overcome and then how to overcome. Uh, and he's going through there. We're, we're, we're up into the third church here. Uh, but um, uh, you remember in, uh, the first church was the church at Ephesus, and he told them to repent and to remember and to do. Uh, that's how that he said, do those things and you'll overcome. And what I found that as we go through these, you'll find the same thing that nowhere, any, anywhere when he's telling them to overcome, did he say, cast the devil out or use the name of Jesus. A lot of it is just straightening up, getting your life lined back up with the word of God. And as a result of you doing that, then you, you become an overcomer. It's a, the overcoming then becomes a fruit of your life of faith as opposed to an action that you've got to go and attack an enemy or go and do some big spiritual thing. Most of it is, is just lining up with the word of God. And so uh, the church at Ephesus, he told them to, to repent because they left their first love, to remember uh, uh, where you were before and do the word of God. And, you know, a lot of times people, I can't do the word of God. Well, then you're a, uh, you're a member of the church at Ephesus, right? It's so hard to do the word of God. Well, then, you know, become a valid member of the church at Ephesus and the Lord will speak to you and tell you to, you've got to do the word. Well, you can't do the word. He said to do the word. Amen. Uh, and so uh, to remember to repent uh, and, and to do. And, of course, then uh, Smyrna, um, he, he told them uh, there uh, that... Um, he knew their works, and he said to fear uh, and to hold fast, right? Uh, to fear none of these things which also suffer. Uh, and he talked about several different things, uh, and uh, or be faithful, fear and to be faithful, uh, fear not and to be faithful. So 
Uh, fear is an area that people oftentimes are overcome by. Uh, just look at the entire earth for the last year, right? Uh, fear, uh, you know, the level of fear for COVID-19 has just been just amazing. I mean, you know, just, just to watch it. And, and, of course, fear is used by people to control other people many times. It's used by the devil to control people. Fear causes you to stay right where you're at and not move. In fact, I was, uh, somebody was talking about how, you know, as the CDC is, is lifting up the, uh, the mask requirements, which, you know, of course, uh, as an engineer, my, my technical side of things are masks are a complete waste of time. But, you know, uh, it's, we're not here to talk about politics, but, you know, uh, it's just, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, do whatever you want to do. It doesn't bother me. Uh, but, um, but people are saying, you know, I don't know if I can not wear a mask in public. Uh, because of fear, you know, they just they've trained themselves to fear that, uh, and um, you know, uh, I don't want to do anything by fear. Now, I, I've worn a mask plenty of times. If people feel comfortable for I wear a mask, then I, you know, I'll wear a mask. Or for certain businesses, say you've got to wear a mask, you know, I'll either wear a mask or go somewhere else. You know, it's not that I'm opposed to doing those things, uh, but most of it's theater. Uh, but uh, you know, people are saying I don't I don't know if I can think right without having a mask on. Well, that's fear, right? And he told the church at Smyrna that uh, you need to stop fearing because that will help you overcome. Uh, now, of course, we know First John says that perfect love casts out fear. So if you want to, one great way to overcome fear is to walk in, walk in the love of God. Because if you know how much God loves you, you won't fear anything. Uh, well, what if they attack you? God loves me. What if, what, you know, what if this happens? God loves me. And you know, there's one good way to overcome fear is to, is to walk in the love of God. But he also told them to be faithful, right, to, uh, to stay the course. Uh, and, um, you know, faithfulness sometimes in the church uh, is almost a bad word, right? But being, but being faithful, uh, to, he said being, being faithful unto death, right? Uh, and, um, you know, that's, that's pretty intense faithfulness, right? Faithfulness unto death uh, because of the tribulation that was coming on. Uh, but then he got the Pergamos there and... Um, uh, we went through several things for them, uh, and we, I just wanted to finish up uh, them, uh, the church here. We're almost done with uh, Pergamos there. For them, uh, he, of course, he gave them several things that they needed to straighten up, uh, and to, he said several things they were doing good, several things they needed to straighten up. And for this church, he just said, the only thing you need to do is to repent. Change your course in, in your direction and line back up with the Word of God. Other churches, he told you know, like I said, we went through the other churches there, but in this church, he said, just repent. And so, you know, sometimes uh, people think, well, I'm so, I'm so far from God. I'm so far from doing the will of God. Uh, and, you know, it may just be a matter of repenting. Amen. Uh, and, you know, repenting should not be a bad thing in people's lives. It shouldn't be a, you know, it shouldn't be a rare thing, you know. I mean, rare if as long as you're walking with the Lord. But, you know, some people know they're doing wrong, but they just don't, won't repent. Uh, and he told this whole church, you know, the only thing you need to do is to repent. And that's how you'll overcome. Uh, he didn't say use the name of Jesus, cast out a devil or anything. He said just change your course and direction of your life and, and uh, you'll overcome. And he said uh, in this case, uh, if, you, if, you'll, if you will overcome, he said he's going to give you the hidden manna. Uh, now we know in the Old Testament when they, have the, when they received manna, uh, it was to strengthen them, right, and to cause them to, to um, be able to execute the will of God. You know, manna came every morning there when they were in the wilderness. Uh, it ended uh, when they arrived in the promised land. But he's going to give them hidden manna. 
and you know, and I and I wonder about that because, you know, hidden manna we see like with Daniel, you know, they gave him uh, the angel gave him uh, food and some some type of manna like food and it strengthened him. Uh, there must be something in the realm of the spirit where we have the capacity to be stronger, uh, even in the realm of the spirit than we are. Now, we don't have a lot of insight into that, uh, but there must be a reason for him uh, giving us this manna. Uh, and then he said he's going to give him a white stone, which signified uh, victory, and then a new name. Uh, and so, you know, all that sounds wonderful. And there's a, uh, there's a, in all of his churches, he gave him uh, uh, encouragement of here's the things that you'll get if you overcome. So, you know, there are blessings uh, that are available to us if we'll change the course and direction of our lives. And really, you know, if you'll, if you'll study the word of God kind of as a whole and what the plan of God is, what you'll find is as a Christian, when you get born again, you start out with God at 100%. So you don't start at zero and then work your way up the ladder, right? Some people, you know, well, I'm going to work my way up and earn a bunch of things. And you really start at zero. I mean, you really start at 100%. And all you can do is mess it up from there. And that's why I said if you repent, you get back all these things, right? You get all these blessings back. Uh, and if we could understand um, that mindset in the church, instead of thinking, well, I've got to recover all these things, I've got to uh, earn them all back, you didn't earn them to begin with. There are all the blessings you have from the Lord are available to you at a, all the time, 100%. And if you'll stay in the perfect will of God, you'll live at 100% of the blessings with the Lord. Uh, but, he, but he did say one thing that was interesting to the, to the church at Pergamos here in verse 16. Uh, when he told them to repent. Uh, now, you know, these folks had, uh, in verse 15, remember he said, uh, uh, of course, they were, well, a bunch of other things, you know, we weren't going back everything. Uh, they had fallen in with uh, Balaam's doctrine. And in verse 15, uh, so hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which things I hate. Now, if you remember back in Ephesus, uh, they had rejected the, the, uh, the Nicolaitans. Uh, and the, the Nicolaitans were the ones who didn't believe in fornication, that, you know, if it feels good, just do it. Uh, which I had a high school history teacher. That was one of his famous sayings. If it feels good, you should just be able to do it. Uh, and, um, you know, in other words, no restraint on the flesh, right? No restraint on the flesh. And, uh, and you know, there's plenty of people in the church. Of course, this is written to the church, right? It's not written to the world. It's written to the church. There are people in the church who didn't want to constrain their flesh. Now, you don't have to constrain your spirit, but you should constrain your flesh. And well, you shouldn't be able to constrain. You're always going to be able to constrain because if you don't constrain your flesh, your spirit will be constrained. If you don't restrain your spirit, your flesh will automatically be constrained because they're always in conflict with each other. So, you know, people say, well, I want to be free. Well, we're all free. Uh, you're free somewhere, right? You're either free in your spirit or you're free in your flesh. Uh, and whatever is whatever one you're free in, the other one is going to be constrained. Uh, and so if you will train yourself to be free in your spirit, I'm free to do the perfect will of God. I'm free to do everything that he's instructed me to do. Uh, then as a result of that, you remember Galatians 5.16 says, if you walk in the spirit, you'll what? Not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you're free in the spirit, you're automatically constrained. And it's not that you have to constrain yourself and, oh, I'm under so much pressure to constrain my flesh and I really want to do that, but I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. If The more you walk in the spirit, the less that's even an issue because you overcome these things. Uh, and so uh, he, he, told, he told the, uh, uh, 
the church at, at Pergamos to repent from that concept that your flesh should be free to do whatever it wants to do. Uh, and again, there's plenty of people in a church, even today, in the, in the universal church, who believe that our flesh should not be constrained. But what they don't understand is if they don't constrain their flesh, their spirit will be constrained and they will never walk in the fullness of the blessings of the Lord if they have that philosophy. Uh, and so he told them to repent. That's the only thing he told them to do is to repent. Uh, but then he said, or else. You know, you never want the Lord to give an or else. That's always ominous, right? Or else. Uh, and he said, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them. Well, who's the them? The them that are in the church that are allowing this, this concept of just free love and, you know, no constraints in your flesh. The Lord Jesus said, I'm going to uh, fight against them with the sword of my mouth. In other words, the, the word of God, right? Uh, but, you know, you don't want to be involved in that, do you? Right? You don't want to be involved, uh, you know, you don't want to be found uh, fighting against the Lord. Uh, you remember uh, when, when the church was first coming up and they kept arresting everybody and they'd arrest Peter and, and John and what are we going to do? And, you know, we, uh, if, we don't, if we don't stop this movement, you know, uh, things are going to be bad for us. And uh, one of the wise Pharisees stood up and said, uh, you want to, I want to constrain yourself because you don't want to find yourself being against God. Because he said that these, these things will take care of themselves. If it's fraudulent, it'll just fail. Uh, and, you know, every move that's been fraudulent has failed. Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, that doesn't mean that everything about the movement is, is fraudulent. But if you go and look at, you know, what the, what the, uh, how long-lasting were these movements, and when they fizzled out, you kind of pull the curtains back and you find out what was going on. Many times they failed because of the failings of men. Uh, because men had ulterior motives in what they were doing other than um, what the will of God was. And so Jesus said, repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them, those that have uh, removed all constraint from their flesh. Now, anybody who is perfectly free in the spirit, he's not going to fight against them. Uh, but uh, he, he told the church, he told the church, if you, if you don't change, I'll, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to step in. And so you don't want the Lord to step in, right? So he, uh, pretty simple instructions for them. You need to repent. Just change the course of your direction of your life to line up with the word of God. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, it's not always, you know, repentance isn't always necessary because of sin. Many times repentance comes, it's necessary because of new revelation. That you've been walking a certain course and direction. As far as you know, you're in the will of God. You love the Lord. You're trying to do your best. And the Lord gives you revelation about, hey, you know, you need to quit thinking that thing about you. You know, maybe you need to quit thinking that you're unworthy. Um, well, that's not sin so much. Uh, it's just uh, new revelation to you. Now, it's not new revelation to the Lord. It's been around forever, right? But it may be new revelation to you. And so you need to change the course and direction of your life to line up with that new thought, that new revelation. And that's really repenting, right? Uh, and that should be a normal part of your life. Uh, if you think you'd already know everything, you know, you're in a sad way, right? Because there's always more to learn. Amen. Uh, and so, so the, the, the church at Pergamos had some good things about them, some bad things about them. And the Lord tried to straighten them up here. Then uh, we get to, uh, uh, we're still in chapter 2 in verse 18. Then he starts on the next church, the church at Thyatira. 
Uh, and he said, we'll read here, starting in verse uh, 18. He said, and unto the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, these things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience, and thy works. You notice he said that about the works twice, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, so he gave him some good things, right? Uh, notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee. That would be the most ominous words you could ever hear from the Lord. I have some things against you. Well, you know, uh, Lord, can I, can I um, be excused for just a minute? You know, I mean, I, uh, I, you know, uh, but, you know, he, the Lord did that even when he was on the earth. Remember, he was at the Pharisee's house and the, the, the lady came and washed his feet. And, and the Pharisee thought, you know, if you knew what, what kind of woman this was, you know, you wouldn't let her do that. And he said, Simon, I have a few things to say against, uh, a few things to say to you. Say on, Master, you know. Uh, well, you know, uh, then the rest of it wasn't happy. He wasn't happy. You know, he thought it was going to be wonderful things. Oh, thank you for inviting me to your house and opening up your house for me. You're such a great servant of God. It wasn't that at all, right? Uh, so he said, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce, and seduce my servants to commit fornication and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Uh, and I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them which, uh, that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds, and I will kill her children with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts, and will give unto every one of you according to your works. But unto you I say, and unto the rest in Thyatira, as many as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden, but that which you have already hold, uh, that which you have already hold fast till I come. And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of, of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. And I will give him the morning star. He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So again, the same thing. You know, you, do you have an ear to hear? If we, uh, you know, we should always love to hear the Word of God. We should always love to hear uh, whatever the Word says. And Lord, how do I apply that to my life? Amen. Uh, and so, you know, this church, this is kind of a busy church here. He had a lot of good things to say about him. I know thy works, uh, thy charity, in other words, thy love, thy service, thy faith, thy patience, uh, the, thy increased works. Uh, the last had to be more than the first. So, you know, we don't know all the specifics of what this was. But, you know, if you're doing work for the Lord, uh, he takes notice, doesn't it? Uh, he said, I know thy works. I know the love, the service, your faith, your patience. Uh, these are all good things. Amen. These are all to be commended. Uh, and, but then he says, I've got a few things against you. Right. Uh, and, and so uh, it's, uh, then he starts in the list there. Uh, it says that you suffered Jezebel. Now, this isn't Jezebel from the Jezebel of the Old Testament in Ahab, uh, but it sounds pretty similar to her, though. Uh, it may be that it was a Jezebel spirit, uh, that, that it may be that he was calling her that because she had that same spirit, right? Because, like you said, uh, that, uh, that John the Baptist was Elijah, but he really wasn't Elijah, but he had the spirit of Elijah. He was operating in the spirit of Elijah, the same attitude that, that Elijah walked in was the same attitude that John the Baptist walked in and same essential ministry of, of uh, 
preparing the way of the Lord was the same ministry for Elijah and for John the Baptist. Uh, but she called herself a prophetess. Uh, you know, a lot of people call themselves a lot of things, right? There are people who call themselves a prophet, you know? Uh, and, and, um, and then they say the craziest things. But, you know, a lot of people, it's amazing to me how easily the church is swayed by, you know, if I stood up and started declaring I'm a prophet, oh, he's a prophet, oh, he's a prophet, you know. Uh, and and then, uh, um, uh, then, they, then they have to change everything to, uh, because of all the shows on TV, right, like The View and The, the, the Food or the, the, the Talk. Or, so now we have to call it the, the prophetic, right? So it's not just you can't be a prophet that prophesies, you've got to be part of the prophetic, right? Because that's what we do. We, we, we follow the world's system, right? Uh, and so, uh, the, but there's a lot of people who call themselves prophets are not, that are not prophets, you know? Uh, the, the first thing about a prophet that you need to understand is, is all prophets should teach the word of God and should be good teachers of the word of God. And if they're not good teachers, if their doctrine is weird, I wouldn't believe a thing they said. Uh, and so, you know, be careful about that. Amen. Now, here people say, I mean, there's one prophet who's still hanging on to Trump's going to be president. I mean, you know, have you heard that, right? Oh, he, he's still going to be president. You know, it's May, right? I mean, they, they, uh, President Biden has been president since, February, since January 20th, right? Uh, and, um, you know, I mean, one, one good thing to find out of a prophet just is what they said is true. Uh, has it come to pass? Well, it's May, right? And he ain't, he ain't well, he's still going to hang on. Well, how, in what scenario would that happen? Well, the military, you know, whatever. I mean, just, you know, use your brain, right? And use your own spirit, man, to sense, is this, is this right? You know, prophets in the New Testament hold a different position than prophets in the Old Testament did because in the New Testament, you have the spirit of God on the inside of you. You have the ability to hear from heaven. Uh, you do. Uh, you are born again. Amen. And, and, and you should never accept anything anybody says uh, until you've reviewed it with your own spirit, man, and the word of God. Doesn't matter what they call themselves. Doesn't matter who they say they are. Doesn't matter how big their ministry is. Or it doesn't matter what they've done. Uh, you, you take everything that anybody says, whether it's Kenneth E. Hagan, Kenneth W. Hagan, uh, any other. You know, I, I can name a bunch of other prophets there. These people call themselves prophets. Uh, and uh, it doesn't matter what they say. You go see if it's in the Word of God. You see if it violates anything in the Word of God. You see if it violates anything in your heart. Amen. Uh, and um, uh, I mean, I don't know why in the world, you know, uh, one of the best ways to find out if a prophet is right, just, well, if they said it's going to happen, then just see if it happens. Because they said it's going to happen, was it, was it April? No, March, it was Mar like March 20th. It's going to happen in March or so. Well, did it happen in March? That, uh, well, no. Well, well then it's going to happen in June or May. Well, I mean, we're halfway through May. Has it happened yet? No. And if they keep changing it, it's like the same guy you remember back in the um, uh, 1987. The guy wrote the book of 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. You know how many books he copies of that book he sold? Like a gazillion. I mean, a zillions of them, right? I don't know how big a number a zillion is, but it's a lot, right? And he sold a gazillion of them because, you know, people, oh, he Jesus coming back in 1988. What did Jesus come back in 1988? No. So you know what, it, what, what his next book was? 89 reasons why I come back in 89, you know. <laughs> what, did Jesus come back in 89? No. So you know what you do? Burn the book. It's a waste of time, right? Uh, and anybody who thinks they know when Jesus comes back, they're not right because d d does Jesus even know when he's coming back? Even he doesn't know when he's coming back. Only the Father knows when he's coming back. So, uh, well, Jesus told me. Oh, well, that's a lie right there because Jesus doesn't even know, right? So, uh, but it's amazing how easy the church will flock to these things. 
you know, if I'd start growing my hair out and unbuttoning my shirt, you know, and just kind of being wild and had cool hip glasses, you know, and wore like sneakers, you know, with my, my suit, you know, like high top sneakers, red sneakers with my suit, you know, it'd be cool, right? It'd be really cool and hip. People would, you know, come just to see the sneaker pastor, right? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, but it's amazing how people follow sneakers, right? Or whatever, uh, you know, long hair, I got long hair, right? Uh, and, um, uh, it could be wild. And if I start eating locusts and honey, right? Start wearing camels, you know, I start wearing wear a camel shirt, right? Or, or what is it? Uh, overalls, right? I wear some overalls and people come like crazy to, to see, you know, uh, but see what the focus is, it's natural things, right? Uh, and, and so just, you know, uh, every, every word that a prophet says, I take every word, you know, and brother Randy, I believe he stands the opposite prophet, you know, uh, that's his calling. Uh, and, um, uh, and he's a lot of, he has said a lot of things that people have gotten mad at. They're trying to get the church back in alignment, you know, with the word of God. And uh, but yet everything he said related to the uh, to the last several uh, elections has been exactly right. Uh, and, so, and so that's a good track record. Right. Now, other people said a bunch of things, you know, that they're not even close to right. And yet people still follow them. Oh, did you hear what, what prophet so and so said? OK, you know, they're wrong. right? Yeah, but they changed it. Oh, did the Lord change? Did the Holy Spirit change? You know, sorry, I was wrong. Back up. And we're going to change the date to now this date. Well, I didn't say what year was going to happen. It's in May the 15th. But I didn't say what year, right? So, so I really meant next year, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's you know, when they, start, when they start backtracking what they've said, instead of, instead of saying, you know, I missed it. I was just wrong. Uh, you know, I, I wanted it so, so bad, you know. Well, that'd be a lot, you know. I can at least accept that. But to keep changing the date, What's well, May? I don't know. Anybody know what the date is now? It's like May. You know, it's going to happen, right? It's not going to happen. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, you know, as long as he's healthy, he will stay the president for the next four years, you know. Uh, and, and so, and I'm praying for him to be healthy for the next four years. I don't want him to die. You know, I'm not showing you know, you know, we live in the New Testament, right? Well, I'm praying for him to die. Well, you know, I thought Jesus said to, to love your enemies, right? Even if you consider him your enemy, which he is not really your enemy, if you consider him your enemy, then you're supposed to pray for him good things, right? Lord, kill him. Take him out. You know, murder his dog. Right? I mean, whatever. I mean, just people are crazy, right? We live in the New Testament. We walk in love. Amen. We pray for those in leadership because we're only praying for the... I mean, I don't really care what they do in Washington. Uh, the only reason why we're praying for the politicians, the Bible says, is, that we, that is so that we would lead a quiet and peaceable life so that we as a church can preach the gospel. That's why we're, that's why, that's really the only reason why we're involved in politics so that the church can do its job, which is to advance the kingdom of heaven. It's not so that we get the right people elected and get taxes reduced and all that stuff. I mean, I'm all for, all for that stuff, but that's not the primary intent of the church. Amen. Uh, and so she called herself a prophetess. Uh, a lot of people call themselves a lot of things, right? And so what was she doing? She was teaching and seducing his servants, the servants of, him, of the Lord, right? Uh, to commit fornication. It's like a class or something. If she's teaching them, I mean, what, what do they do, right? But what she's teaching them is, you know, it, it's, it's your body. You can do whatever you want to with your body, right? As long as, you're not hurt, as long as you love people, you know, you're okay. Doesn't that sound just wonderful? Except it's straight from the pit of hell, right? Uh, and so, so she's teaching the servants of God uh, to, to uh, commit fornication. Uh, and now this is, you know, uh, at least a second church that's been involved in fornication here, right? And what we'll find out is many, many churches of the seven were involved in fornication. And so that's a big problem in the church. If that was a big problem 2,000 years ago, what do you think is going on right now? It's 
still a big problem in the church, right? Because if the Lord em- emphasized these things for these churches 2,000 years ago, then uh, what I have found, you know, I've traveled around the world quite a bit. What I've found that no matter where I go, flesh is still flesh and spirit is still spirit. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've been to countries of every color, every language, and I, th- there is no distinction. Flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. God is God. The devil is a devil. Uh, I have found no distinction at all. And, and you know why? Because 2,000 years from now, if the Lord still tarries, flesh will still be flesh. Spirit will still be spirit. Amen. Uh, and so, so in the church, there is a lot of people that are doing these things. You know, that, uh, you know I, I've heard so many stories of ministers like, like uh, uh, Dr. Dufresne and, and um, uh, Jesse Duplantis and other ministers that have had to call out people publicly doing things like wife swapping and, you know, uh, you know, all kinds of things like that in the church. And, and they become, it becomes a click in the church, you know, and, and it's always the people who, are, who call themselves to be spiritual, call themselves to be somebody, right, uh, and, and make, them out to be, make themselves out to be an important person in the church. And, you know, the, the people that I find that are the most important in the church is people with the greatest hearts to be a servant. Uh, and, and whether they're the, I mean, I've met pastors, who I consider to be great servants of the Lord, great men and women of God because of their heart to be a servant to the Lord. Uh, those are the people that impress me the most. People that have come across, well, I, I, you know, I'm prophet so-and-so. You know, if you've got to call yourself a prophet, you know, uh, uh, you, know you, might, you might want to check up on, um, on who's the president still, right? Uh, and so, so she was teaching them, right? Uh, and, and he said the, the issue isn't so much that she was doing the teaching. Right. The issue was at the beginning of the verse was that you suffered or you allowed uh, or you permitted or you didn't constrain this woman to do these things. You allowed it. Now, usually what I've seen is people that are like that. It's usually somebody who walks in and they, they've got this big air about them and they're they're very flamboyant and they, and and they they try to draw attention to themselves. And, you know, they can't just be a quiet servant on the back row. They've got to be known and, and have a position. And so uh, he said that you've allowed this person to do this. Well, you know, she's a big giver. Well, you know, uh, she, she's brought a lot of people to church. Well, you know, she, she does this. She, you know, she does Sunday school. She does this right there. You know, she, she, she's really important. You know, we don't want to get rid of her. And well, you know, what did Jesus say? Uh, he said in verse 21, I gave her space to repent. So. Uh, that right there tells us some, I mean, there's a lot of information, just that one verse. Uh, so did he immediately uh, shoot her in the kneecap as soon as she sinned? First time? Second time? No, what did he do? He gave her space to repent. In other words, time to repent. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's, a good, that's a good thing for us to learn. Because a lot of the times in the church, uh, when somebody makes a mistake, you know, the first thing is, you know, people want to take up stones and, and crucify somebody. Somebody's got to die. Somebody's got to lose an arm or leg or an eyeball or something, you know. Uh, uh, I mean, somebody's got to hurt. Uh, we got to hurt somebody, right? Now, right now. Uh, that, I mean, that's a lot of times church wants to bury somebody instantly yeah, instead of giving somebody space to repent. Now, now this is, she's a terrible person, right? Probably of the spirit of Jezebel, uh, fornication, te- teaching, not, not just being involved in fornication, but teaching them, right? Seducing the, the servants of God to do these things. Uh, and to eat uh, things sacrificed to idols. Now, we know, and we talked about this a little bit last week, that, uh, you know, for me, if I was traveling somewhere and, and, you know, 
someone gave me food to eat, here, eat this. And then they said, hey, you know, by the way, that was offered to idols. So, whatever. Doesn't it bother you? No. Uh, you know, if I knew it was offered to idols, it still wouldn't bother me. Uh, but, but sometimes people will do that to, to get you messed up, right? They will, they will do that to get you thinking that, oh, if I've done that, then, then you know, I, I, I'm an idol food eater and, and the devil's going to possess me and, uh, and, and they will be completely consumed with the thoughts that they ate this food offered to idols. And so the purpose of the people feeding it to them is to destroy their faith, right? It, it's to harm people. Because uh, you have to look at the whole counsel of God, right? Paul said, it don't matter what you eat. Just eat whatever you want to eat. You know, whether it's all, you know, he said, if the guy next to you is going to bother him, don't eat it. But as far as you're concerned, eat whatever you want to eat. If it's offered to idols or whatever, it, it, it's no big thing. Uh, but people will do that because it, they're superstitious, right? They, they will try to get you to become superstitious. Say, oh, I, I hate that strangled chicken, you know. And, and, and now, you know, I've got the strangled chicken uh, devil on me. And, uh, and um you know, I don't, I don't know what to do. Uh, and so people will do that with the intention to try to destroy your faith, right? To try to control you by, by getting you to eat things or do things that would, uh, that would uh, be against your own conscience. So if your conscience wouldn't let you eat it, then don't eat it, right? And, and that's really uh, follow the voice of your own conscience, amen? Uh, as, as a matter of faith goes, it doesn't matter. But if your faith is not there, then it does matter and don't, you shouldn't need it, right? But so she was taking advantage of people and, and causing these, these uh, Christians that uh, their, their conscience didn't want, the, didn't want to eat food offered to idols. And so uh, she was trying to get them to violate their conscience. And by doing so, she can control their life. And a lot of people will try to do th- get you to do things that would violate your conscience, even if... You know, maybe if you were more mature, it wouldn't be a big deal. But wherever your conscience is at, that's where you should follow. Amen. Uh, and so, you know, if you can't do that thing, then don't do that thing. Right. Uh, but see, people want to want to intentionally cause you to uh, violate your own conscience because it's it opens up the door to them doing anything else in your life. Uh, and so be careful about people who, you know, come and say, uh, who. You know, if you've got, say, your conscience is, you know, I don't, I don't drink coffee, you know, because I feel like, you know, it's got caffeine in it, and, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I should put that in my body. Um, well, I mean, technically, is anything really wrong with that? Well, I mean, personally, I don't see anything wrong with that. But if that's your conscience, then you stick to it. Amen. Uh, now, you've got to be careful of not putting your conscience on everybody else's conscience either. Well, you know, you're just wrong. Well, is there any book, chapter, and verse about caffeine? No, there's no book, chapter, and verse about caffeine. Uh, and so don't put your conscience on everybody else, amen? You live in your conscience. If that's your conscience, then fine. I don't have a problem with that. Live it 100%, amen? Uh, and, uh, but be careful about people who want to come and say, well, you're just wrong. You should drink it anyway. See, that's devilish, amen? Uh, I would never do that. If somebody's conscience is, you know, I don't do that, you know, somebody's conscience is, you know, whatever it is, right? Uh, then, then um, you know, some people's conscience is to have church on Saturday. Um, that's great. Praise God, you know. Some people's conscience to have church on Sunday. Uh, it, it, why would we try to violate somebody's conscience about that? Because I, I've seen wars on both sides. Well, you're just wrong. Well, you know, how do you know you're right? How do you know you're wrong? Now, you know, you can go through. I mean, I know there's scriptures that people go through, but both sides get scriptures. 
but if your conscience is to do that, then just do it and be okay with it. Amen. Uh, but don't let somebody come and tell you that your conscience is wrong. Uh, and that's what she's doing right there is she's trying to get them to violate their conscience. Uh, and so the, the church allowed her, uh, permitted her to do her teaching, to have her little click, right? Uh, and, and, you know, uh, a, a lot of churches will have like, uh, like home groups, right? Bible studies and stuff. I got no problem with that at all. You know, I think it's fine. But I have observed that anytime somebody in the church wants to have their own thing, right? Their own little Bible study, their own little click inside the church, that's usually uh, the reason why they want to do that is because they want their own following. It's not that they want to help the pastor and help the ministry, help the church to fulfill its call. They want to have their own little thing. Uh, and they're really following the same line of Jezebel where she was, had her own little teaching group that was separate from the church. Because, I mean, what's the purpose of the pastor if not to teach, right? I mean, the primary purpose of the pastor is to teach. Uh, and so... Anything wrong with going to a Bible study? I don't think there's anything wrong with having a Bible study, right? Going to a Bible study. But if you want to do a Bible study, but you don't want it to be part of the church, you want to do your own thing, you know, is it wrong? I can't tell you if it's, if it's 100% wrong, but I would be suspicious of it. Uh, if somebody, you know, if you're in a church and somebody says, hey, I've got their own Bible study. Oh, did the pastor set up Bible studies? No, I'm doing, it's my own thing, you know. Well, why are you doing your own thing? Well, because it's my own thing, right? And so I want my own thing. Uh, well, then go get your own building, right? And your own air conditioning and your own chairs. And, uh, well, that's too much work, right? I just want my own thing. You know, it's easy. Uh, and so, but you've got to be careful because that sounds like what she's doing here, right? Where she's got a group of people. She's servants of God, where she's pulled them aside. Are these things going on in the church today? It goes on every day, every single day, right? Where you've got, uh, where, uh, and, I, and I've seen it many times where, people will go to a ministry like Brother Randy, right? And they, they don't go to support Brother Randy. They go to work the crowd. They go to build their own ministry inside of Brother Randy's ministry. You know, they don't want to go and buy their own airplane and set up their own, you know, hire their own employees and set up their own traveling ministry like Brother Randy did. They just want to go with all the work that Brother Randy's done uh, and, and take advantage of that. Uh, and people do that all the time. That's exactly what Jezebel was doing right here is she wanted her own thing inside the church. Not, she didn't want to be part of the church. She wanted her own thing inside the church that uh, somebody else had done all the work. And, 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 and what was the cause of it? He, they were misleading the servants of God. She was misleading the servants of God uh, and, because her teaching wasn't subject to the pastor. Her, you know, she, you know if, if the church is setting up small groups or whatever, then in general, those small groups would be under the authority of the pastor and should be uh, aligned with the with the doctrine of the church and the, the understanding of, you know, uh, what the church believes and and so you know if you had your own Bible said well I don't believe in healing, well we literally have a healing school in church here right yeah well you know, we just see things differently well why are you at that church if you don't believe in healing I mean it make any sense right uh, now if you wanted to learn about healing that's fine but um, to set up your own thing that's going to be separate well then you you're you're like uh, have the danger of being like Jezebel of teaching uh, the servants of God uh, to go against their conscience. Amen. Uh, and so, so you allowed her to teach and seduce those Christians to do those things. Um, uh, and so, but I still like, uh, I still like verse 21, that the Lord gave her space to repent. Amen. As terrible as she was teaching them fornication, right? Teach them to violate their conscience, right? Uh, teach them to do these things 
um, he still gave her space to repent. Uh, and, and I have observed that in my own life as a pastor that many times I see the failings of, of the people that attend the church. Uh, and, and even though I, I, I see them, the Lord says, like, just wait, just wait. Don't do it. You don't have to do anything about it. Uh, and uh, now it's not, you know, well, I should do something about it. I'm not going to do anything about it. That's what, what that's what their church was at right now. They saw it. They should have been doing something about it. They chose not to do anything about it. So there's a balance of of either giving people space to repent versus sticking your head in the sand. Right. And so what should you do as a, as a leadership? Well, you find out what the Lord wants and whatever the Lord wants to do. That's what you do. If he says to go and address it, you go and address it. If he if he says give him space to repent. Then give him space to repent. But give him space to repent doesn't mean you just let it all go. Uh, I, I imagine what happened here in this in this scenario, since he gave him space to repent, that he addressed it. Hey, you need to you need to straighten up. You need to change. This doesn't need to go on anymore. And you know, especially baby Christians. You know, baby Christians make a lot of mistakes, right? They'll do things. They'll say things. They'll cuss or kick a chair or whatever. You know, uh, uh, do whatever thing things that are that's not right. Well, you know, you need to give those baby Christians space to repent. Uh, give, them a, give them a place where you don't come down on them with a hammer and a sledgehammer every time they make a mistake. Amen. Now, she, she is not that way. Uh, from what I could tell, she, she was somebody of renown in the church. But he still gave her uh, space to repent. Amen. Uh, but, you know, uh, if she doesn't repent, then, of course, he, he has all these things that uh, are going to be against her. Right. Uh, he said, uh, I'm going to cast her in a bed and then that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So if they repent, they, they miss it. All right. If they don't repent, then, then there's going to be great tribulation. And he said, I'll kill their children. So, you know, the, the, the wages of sin is what is death, right? Uh, there, there can be ramifications, uh, that, uh, if you don't change that, uh, you could end this physical life early. And he said, and all the churches shall know that I'm he which searches the reins and the hearts. Uh, and so uh, he said, um, well, we'll keep, we'll keep on going down there uh, in verse 24. But I say unto you, uh, but unto you I say, and unto the rest of Thyatira, and as many as, as have not this doctrine, which have not known the depth of Satan as they speak, I will put upon you none other burden. Uh, but that which you have already hold, uh, but that which you already have already Hold fast till I come. So he's starting to tell him, tell him things to do to, to overcome. Hold fast the things that you have. Uh, and, you know, that's, that's still a good thing to do, right? We're about out of time there. But there's a couple of verses I want to talk about that. Uh, but um, um, uh, <clears throat> well, yeah, we'll, we'll pick that up next week there. Um, so he, he gave uh, specific instructions for things to do to overcome. Uh, and, uh, and I'll just give you the three things that, that he told them to do, and then we'll look at them in a little bit more detail next week. But the first one is, is repent if you've been with Jezebel, right? Uh, and so, uh, so if you've been with her, then you need to repent, right? Uh, and if you've not been with her, then you're good to go, right? So, yep, not me. It was that guy over there, but not me, right? So you're good. So uh, just like other churches, he told them to repent, then sometimes it's necessary to repent. Now, you know, if they repent, then they get to overcome. And, you know, the, the, the thing about all these churches that's nice is having repented, they're back in good with the Lord. 
And it's been my observation many times in the church that even though some people repent, they're still got the scarlet letter on them. And the church will never accept them again, right? Uh, and, and never allow them to be part of the church. You know, they're just, well, you just sit back in the corner and, and um, don't do anything, right? I mean, I mean, over the years, how many people that have been divorced that the church has just put, put out to pasture? Well, you've been divorced, so you know, God can't use you anymore. Well, they're breathing air, right? Uh, and, and even if they were wrong, even if they were the ones who, you know, committed adultery and caused a divorce to happen, is there not repentance available for the folks? I understand, you know, that sometimes there is a time and a season that you've got to make sure that people really have repented, you know. I mean, just because they say repented, I mean, they have. And then, so there may be a time and a season that you watch and observe them to make sure that they're, they're really back with the Lord. But if, they, but if they're back with the Lord, why can't we allow them to be back in the church, right? Uh, and so we're not excusing things, uh, but, he, but he told them to repent just like he told uh, the other churches there. And he said, hold fast to things uh, that, you, that you do have. Uh, uh, and we'll talk about that some uh, next week. Uh, and he said, keep his words to the end. Uh, and if you'll do that, then you get to overcome. And he gives you a bunch of things there uh, that we'll, we'll cover next week as well. So, but, you know, the church at Thyatira, to me, with the whole deal with Jezebel, you know, uh, that tells me a lot about the dynamics of a church, right? That there are important people in a church that's, that uh, have their own little clique, that are doing their own little teaching separate from the church. Uh, and I would always be careful for you. Uh, I would encourage you, be careful about people who try to draw you away. Uh, that's separate from the church, right? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, cell groups or home, home things like that. I'm talking about people that, uh, and I've had people, you know, hey, I want to start my own thing. Well, what's wrong with the thing that's here? Well, I own my own thing. Well, you know, that building over there is empty. Go start your own thing. Well, that's a lot of work, right? Uh, and so just got to be, you know, be careful. Because I saw that when I was with my pastor, that there's folks come in and they, you know, uh, they wanted to have their own special click. And they would only call certain people. So it wasn't open to everybody. It was only to the special select few. And I think I was invited maybe one time. I, I wouldn't go because I'm like, I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, for one thing, I already go to church three times a week, uh, and not there's anything wrong with going to church more than that. I know, but still, if it's not sanctioned by the pastor, if the pastor, if you're not doing this as part of the ministry of the church, to me, it's just it just down in my spirit, man, it just seems odd and weird. Why are you doing that? Something seems amiss, right? I, I, you know, I'm nobody's judge, but something seems amiss. So I never would in, get involved in those things, uh, and. You know, that, that's before I really understood these verses here. Well, that's that's the spirit of Jezebel, right? Yeah, so, so everyone who starts a Bible study is the spirit of Jezebel. I'm not going to say that. You know, I don't know. But if somebody wants to build their own kingdom inside of somebody else's kingdom, then that's, to me, that's suspicious, right? So it tells us a little bit about even how to run a church there. So I think it's helpful. So we'll look at the, uh, finish up with the church of Thyatira there uh, next week and see how to get out of this mess, right? They've allowed Jezebel uh, to do things and they got to get out of the mess, right? So we'll see how they get out of the mess. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word. So Father, we thank you for the word of God. And Father, we thank you uh, that just the same instructions that you gave the church thousands of years ago, the same instructions you're giving us today, Father. You told us to repent and to hold fast, Father, to remember, to do, to fear not, Father, and to be faithful. You told them so many things to do, Father, and, and, and these are all the same things that we need to be doing today in the church and to, to be aware that these things are going on inside your church, Father. And so, Lord, we'll, we'll, we'll be aware, we'll be attentive, uh, and, Father, we'll make sure we always do the word 
and follow your spirit. And, and if we do that, Lord, we know there's safety. And we, as your children, will be overcomers uh, and will have all the privileges and blessings that you promised those who overcome. We thank you for these things, Father. We give you the praise and the honor for them, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? He's good. Amen. You know, the, uh, the, I like the way the Lord set this up is there's a good balance there, right? He does, he does get on to them about a bunch of things, but he also encourages them, hey, you, you know, you're doing some things that are good. Because it's been my observation that it's rare that you find somebody just, just incorrigible, you know, just, just, is there anything good about this person at all? I mean, you know, you can usually find something good about somebody. In one of the churches, he couldn't find anything good to say about him. But the other six, he's able to find something good to say about him, you know, uh, overall. Amen. Uh, and, uh, and that's really a good, a good balance to find. If, if you're a negative person, you, all you see is the negative of everybody and how wrong everybody else is except for you. You know, you might want to go home and buy a bigger mirror, right? Um, because you, you probably don't look enough in the mirror. Amen. And so praise God. Uh, well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Appreciate y'all's faithfulness. The Lord is good. Amen. Uh, and so I haven't got the bill yet on the plumbing building to find out what the, what the final tally of that is. But as soon as I get that, I'll let you know what that is. Uh, and um, we thank the Lord for his faithfulness uh, for our finances. Amen. So come ahead, Mr. Jared. And then we'll, get, uh, we'll go ahead and say uh, the blessing for the food so we can set up the tables and then eat. And then um, uh, we'll eat. We'll take a short break and we'll be back at healing school, right? Uh, and so, so does that mean that you can eat all you want to because we're going to healing school anyway, right? Uh, and so, you know, I don't know. You know, that, that's, that's up to your conscience, right? Whatever your conscience lets you do, then that's fine, right? And so I'm not your conscience, but uh, praise God. Uh, well, let's pray and thank the Lord for this food today. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather together as your people, Father, in fellowship. We thank you, Lord, for this food, the bounty of it. And according to your word, Father, we declare it blessed and sanctified in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it, Father. And in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's eat. <laughs> 